Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. We are SC. We are SC. We are. Welcome to Five Things. This is Eric McKinney, joined by Mark Culkin and Greg Katz, and we are talking USC's 31-16 loss to Arizona State. Uh, SC not able to come out to the desert and, and get it done. We'll jump into this, and and with our five things, the first thing after every game is our player. Player of the game, uh, Greg. Go ahead. Start with you. Your player of the game from this one. Well, I'd like to say defensively, uh, I thought that uh, Kenai Maga had a good game, eleven tackles. I thought that was noteworthy. But I think for my player of the game, I'm going to have to go with the Scottsdale native, Mr. Parker Lewis, who provided fireworks with those long field goals of uh, 38, 45, and 52, and he was one for one on his PATs. So I think that uh, all in all, uh, Parker had a great return to his native state of Arizona. Mark, go ahead, jump in. Your player of the game. Yeah, I'll keep this short and sweet. Um, defensively, Xavier Alford, two interceptions, uh, one of the very amazing diving variety. And other than that, that gray fox that sprinted across the field and up the stadium stands in 0.5 seconds, which was amazing. That's not fair. I was going to go with the Fox. Oh. I'm sorry. I told Greg I would come up with something else. I apologize, Eric, but my frustration level is. It's okay. Yeah. So, so Xavier Alford, uh, Parker Lewis, absolutely. Alford was going to be mine. I, I think, you know, if we're talking about the game overall, it, it's Arizona running back Rashad White. And Arizona State, they, they brought three running backs in, and all three, I mean, the, the names are more difficult to spell each, each one more difficult than the other. And 
by the end of it, boy, I could spell Rashad White. No, absolutely no problem. You knew what was coming and, and you knew he was getting the ball. He ends up with 202 yards and three touchdowns and just, you know, one, one of those kind of all-time rushing performances against USC. C- certainly in recent memory in terms of guys just doing whatever they wanted against him. So that he he was my player of the game. Again, hat tip to Parker Lewis and, and Zayvon Alford from USC and to the great box from, uh, from Tempe. Uh, let's go. Our second thing now, the play of the game, Mark, we'll start with you, your play of the game from this one. Yeah. Were there any plays of the game? So I I hate to harp on the negative and I, and I really don't want to point out a particular player. However, I just for the, for context purpose, um, no, there were no plays of the game. I'm just going to go. Greg, there were go no ahead plays play of the, game. the game. Well, I want to make sure that Mark is feeling okay. We're not on a. I'm okay. Time. I just again, I'm not going to throw the players under the bus. I think the coaching staff did plenty of that after the game on their own. <laughs> well, you know, it's nice we can keep this kind of light. I know that our viewers are uh, probably as frustrated uh, as any of us are, but I'm going to pick uh, the play of the game would be. Uh, again, I'm going back to Parker Lewis that he kicked that 52-yard field goal, and I thought that was kind of the play of the game. Now, I will say that I, I must, must have interpreted something. I thought when we had player of the game, we were just sticking to USC players, but I think Eric was correct in saying that uh, Rashad White uh, was the player of the game if you look at both teams, and I would say the play of the game for me was, uh, I, I guess, any of uh, White's runs were a play of the game. Uh, they illustrated how great he is, and he'll be in the NFL. I thought it also illustrated just how poor USC tackles. Uh, so it was greatness and ineptness. This is what happens when they both mate each other. You get a 50-some-yard touchdown run of uh, ESPN Sports Center variety. Yeah, for me, the, the play of the game in, in terms of the one that maybe swung momentum the most is the holding call against Chris Steele. And and this was something where it it sure looked like it was on the complete opposite side of the field. I know we didn't get, you know, being at the, you know, at the game, didn't see it, didn't have like a quick replay um, that we could see too. So can't, can't right now speak to, you know, oh, definite penalty or or anything like that. But in terms of what was called and what the, how the play developed, that was a third and 13 play where Jaden runs and he's stopped well short and USC probably going to get the ball back on a punt two plays later, Arizona state is, is in the end zone. So yeah, you know, you, you still had a chance to stop them. And so maybe the 50 yard run right after that, that's the play of the game, but it, it's kind of all those pieces. And, and that was the one that kind of started it. And, and I, you know, for me again, that that's the play, because if you, if you take that away, you know, you can't, you can't get the 50 yard touchdown. Now saying that USC did not show a whole lot thinking, Oh, if they get the ball back here, they're going to run down and score. And you know, they're going to, they're going to win this game. Um, But, but as far as kind of momentum and SC had kind of scratch back, they were down by one at that point. Uh, The touchdown kind of pushes that to eight and SC can't see anything uh, the rest of the way. So I, I think that was kind of, again, in terms of, momentum and, and how it affected things that that one was really big uh greg we'll go with you our, our third thing and this is going to be the expectation you had coming in that was met uh in this one 
Well, it was met that I thought that Arizona State would run over USC. I don't think that was a rebel, uh, you know, surprise by any shape or form. I was disappointed nonetheless. Uh, I expected the offense to really struggle without Drake London. I think it'll take perhaps another game so they can start feeling kind of comfortable with it. Uh, you know, thank goodness it's Cal, but then Cal is going to be all upset because they got upset by the JV team in, a, in the Pac-12 conference, Arizona. Uh, but um, I, I don't know that, uh, you know, ex- expectations with this team, I, I'm afraid when they when my expectations for this team get met, they're always of a negative variety. I don't like to say negative. I like to think realistic. Uh, and, and, you know, they're, I, I shudder to think what happens when they play UCLA and they're running attack. I, I think that's going to be uh, – it's not going to be an eye-opener because I expect what most everybody else is going to expect. I, I would only hope uh, that they learned a lot on offense tonight uh, go back to the film room, see what's going on, and see if they can actually make corrections. Uh, because I tell you what, I don't think the Cal team they're going to face next week is going to be the team that faced Arizona because Cal had all those issues with COVID requirements up in Berkeley. And I'm sure they'll be an upset football team, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. So those are my expectations. Yeah, Mark, go ahead. Your expectations then in this one. Yeah, you know, first of all, going forward, I would like to for us to remove the word expectation and let's start using anticipation. Because when you expect something and you don't get it, I think you're going to be let, it's a bigger letdown. So I always anticipate some really questionable play calling on offense. And we got that in spades tonight. Uh, going, you know, calling run plays on third down in two down territory and then not going for it on fourth down. Um, I anticipate, like I said, I anticipate questionable play calling. And especially if we're going with this two quarterback system, we're not seeing play calling that, that helps each of their strengths. So um, I, you know, I just anticipate this season just playing itself out slowly, methodically, painfully. So let's going forward, let's start using that instead of expectations. We'll take that under advisement. Thank you. <laughs> Greg, I'm with you on a couple of mine, and, and it's kind of similar that, that Arizona State was going to run it. And the coaches talked this week about how important it was going to be to be able to stop the run. You can't let that get going on the ground downhill. But there just wasn't anything about this USC defense coming in that made me think, oh, that they're going to be able to stand up to it and, and they're going to be able to do this. You had another game where, with a couple guys up front on the defensive line uh, that were out and the, you know, the, the inside linebackers, they, they've made tackles, but you just, you don't, you don't leave the game ever thinking, man, they, they sort of set the tone and they made the offensive players from the other team kind of fear running up the middle or, or, you know, getting hit by them. And, and I did have, he had that one big hit, but they're just, you know, the, that's something that you expect when, if, if there's a team coming in that can run the ball and knows they want to run the ball they can get it done against USC this year. And, and so certainly that one, but for me, the big one was I did not anticipate a ton from the USC wide receivers. And, and this was a game that they had to step up without Drake London. I, I think we're getting a real sense, not again, the expectation, the anticipation is that Drake London is that much better 
than any other wide receiver on the USC roster, any other wide receiver on any Pac-12 roster. That, that's not a slight to the USC right. wide receivers when you talk about Drake London being that much better. But they just haven't shown that that they can be those guys, that they can get open when it's you know a, a one-on-one thing and they have to get it done. Um, being able to get open, being able to catch the ball, being able to, to get upfield after that, it's not something that they were able to do consistently and you threw a lot of guys out there in this game too to, to try to get kind of some momentum from somewhere. Uh, and, it, and it just didn't happen, whether it's kind of taking deep shots downfield that don't get connected, uh, short stuff where, you know, maybe the throw's a little bit off, but boy, if, if you want to be a big-time wide receiver, if you want to be the lead guy for USC, pro- you know, probably some catches that, that you have to make. And wide receiver coach Kerry Colbert, he said, hey, we, we left plays out there. And that, again, <laughs> you want to talk about – anticipation expectation coming into the games that has been something that has been talked about after every single game or we left some stuff out there we left some stuff out there didn't execute any of that kind of stuff um that's again that that's what you have to assume is going to happen coming into every usc game survivor 46 is here and so is on fire the only official survivor podcast and we have a twist this season the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Let's go to our, our fourth thing, and, and that's the surprise. <laughs> that we didn't see coming. Mark, go ahead and, and we'll start with you on that one. Uh, winning the turnover battle, I, I believe without going back and looking at it, winning the penalty battle, so to speak, um, and still not being able to achieve what they need to do to win. I mean, they went on the road and they they did what, you know, we, we thought they needed the things to do. Win those little things, you know, not not be the team that makes the, you know, the, have the unsportsmanlike penalties. I don't think there were any of those in the game. Uh, the offensive line played well. And again, to, to win the turnover battle and to win the, you know, have the least amount of penalties, make the least amount of mistakes, I guess, and still come up on the short end of the stick. And Greg, go ahead. You're surprised. Well, you guys sent a touch. I was actually surprised with the Fox. I didn't think the Fox would be as quick as it was. I didn't think it could actually go from the stands onto the field and actually make its way out of the stadium. And I was told that the Fox actually lives on campus in one of the old buildings. So it must have been maybe it was Fox night or something. I don't know. But I was impressed by, by the agility of that Fox not to get itself killed or bite somebody. I mean, it was right up in the stands, for goodness sakes. All I could think of was who wants to get the first rabies shot? Uh, but that being said, um, I was actually surprised that nothing surprised me. And I was a little disappointed in that. Um, I guess I could say I was surprised there was no sacks. I mean, SC didn't give up the offensive line, didn't give up any sacks. But by the same token, they only got 92 yards rushing. So I guess that, but I will say that uh, Keaton Slovis did get whacked around a couple of times, but that's going to happen in a game. So um, I think one of the big surprising things, honestly, which kind of annoyed me, was that um, Dante said that Slovis was going to start the second half. 
That and, Dart was going to start. Uh, Dart, 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 Dart was going to, uh, yes, my mistake. Dart was going to uh, start the second half. And when it was Slovis, uh, the people on television were quite angry about it, especially the, the, uh, the sideline reporter. It was like, what's that all about? Uh, to my no- to my knowledge, was was there anything that you guys found out that there was a hand injury or something uh, to him? Dante said after the game that Jackson was dealing with some sort of hand issue. Um, when we saw Jackson after the game, his hands looked fine. There was nothing wrapped up. So he was in there getting whacked around on, on the last drive of the game. Well, I will tell you this. There was a shot of him uh, kind of massaging his right hand, mm-hmm. which led me to think, is there something wrong with it? Uh, and then, but why would you tell somebody, yeah, he's starting and then he isn't unless, unless Dart said something in, in private on the sidelines saying, you know what, why don't you give me a, another series off? I, it was very bizarre to me. Yeah, you touched on on the surprise for me. Arizona State came in generating a bunch of sacks and, and a bunch of tackles for loss. They, they were number one in the Pac-12 uh, in tackles for loss per game coming into this one. They end with four tackles for loss, but no sacks. And, and really, I thought the offensive line, there, there were USC, it felt like found itself in a lot of third down situations where they were obvious pass situations and there was enough time and it, it didn't feel like Arizona state brought a ton of blitzes in those situations and, and they were okay to kind of challenge the receivers to get open. But still, this, this is not an offensive line that has been as good as that in, in previous games. And so I thought that they held up well, and this is with Cortland Ford not playing and you shuffle a little bit and Justin Beach is in it at left guard and Andrew Voorhees is, is kicked out. Uh, at left tackle a little bit, and then you lose Liam Jimmins later in the game, and and you've got you know you've got some shuffling going on, and and I thought they you know I thought they played well. That that was kind of a surprise that Arizona State couldn't get as much done up front. Greg, like you said, it's not as if USC just turned it on and, and ran the ball all over them and all that. It felt like the Arizona State defense was very confident against this USC offense, and and at no point did they think we've got to do something different and we've got to change things up because we don't know what's going on. Felt like a, lo- a lot of stuff got kept in front of them and they were okay with whatever USC wanted to do. They were so confident, Eric, because you and I were talking about this after the game, that they played man coverage pretty much all game without what I think people would consider their best coverage guy in Jack Jones. That's how much respect they showed for USC's passing game tonight. And they took, you know, like like we said too, they took some penalties and they did, you know, that kind of stuff and, and had an interception wiped away, but also didn't let USC kind of get things going and, and get the ball going downfield. So it, it was a, it was, you know, if, if we're on the other side and we're talking about that Arizona State defense, I think you have to be pretty pleased, you know, if, if you're the Arizona State coaches w- with how they did that. Yeah. Uh, let's go our, our fifth thing. And, and that's always the biggest takeaway. And Greg, we'll, we'll start with you. On this, your biggest takeaway from this one? This team's in trouble. It's It was in trouble. It's really in trouble because if they don't beat Cal, they're not going to a bowl game. Not that I think they deserve to go to a bowl game. Not that I think that any team that ends up six and six deserves to go to a bowl game. But we saw some real, real reality checks. You know, the fear of what would happen if Drake London didn't play in a game. Uh, the fear of uh, they never developed a, a running attack consistent. 
the fear that the secondary is absolutely being shredded because of ridiculous penalties, uh, ridiculous ability to, to, especially at the safety position, uh, the corner. I mean, it was all exposed. I mean, it was Arizona State's not going to go to the college football playoffs, but they are a talented and competitive team. And they came to play. They wanted to win. They got excited early in the game because I think the, the running style of white gets everybody all fired up. An oddity to the game, uh, I just want to throw neither team had a sack. How many games do you go to where there's zero sacks on both teams? Um, you know, Mark brought this up last week, uh, and I was in agreement basically with him that this team may not win another game. I mean, there's only three left. And, um, you know, four and eight is looking very, very possible to me. Uh, and my attention, I don't know how our viewers feel, but I've kind of said, okay, let's play the game. I'll watch it, whatever. Okay. But my real soul concentration is what's happening with the, the candidate search. That, that's, I guess that's the hope that I see uh, and the takeaway that I get. The takeaway is the season's going to end. It's, there's not going to be any climax to it or anything. It's just going to end. And uh, all attention uh, is going to be uh, looking at the candidates and what are they doing and how are their teams doing? So that's kind of my takeaway, to be honest with you. Mark, go ahead. Your, your biggest takeaway. Yeah. I just touched on it a moment ago. I, I think it's the lack of respect that every opponent shows USC. Uh, I mean, granted Drake London isn't playing, but um, you know, the, the, the fact that other teams know that a passing offense has a group of receivers that can't get open. They have um, great talent at running back that, you know, has a very inconsistent run game because you have some very inconsistent play calling. You're playing two quarterbacks. Um, they have no idea when they're going in, when they're coming out. So I, I think the implication that everybody's going to take away from my takeaway. Uh, this team has no idea who they are, what they're doing, and they are literally just waiting for the season to end. Yeah, my biggest takeaway from this is that I think we hit an exact right amount of time talking about the game, talking about the Fox. So I'm I'm proud of that. That, that was something I, I, I was really focused on coming into this. But uh, for me, the, the biggest takeaway, it's, it's the quarterbacks right now because that's – it's USC's present and it's USC's future. And, and you're trying to juggle these at the same time. And, and it's not working. The, the way that it's going right now is not working. And, and they said, this, this is Dante, this is Graham Harrell, this is Jackson Dart, this is Keaton Slovis said coming in, yeah, that was the plan. Plan was the, the same kind of thing as last week. And, and we saw Jackson Dart go in for series three and four after Keaton Slovis had one and two. And, and then it was kind of a rotation like that but but it feels like when you set a rotation before the game starts and stick to it what why does anything that's happening during the game matter at all so so if if we go down and score a touchdown with this quarterback well it's his turn to come out and now we have to send this other quarterback in and i you know again the, the quarterbacks are saying they're they're trying to say all the right things and, and they're not going to say i can't do this i you know you're, you're never going to hear that from Keaton or from Jackson, but 
boy, it, it just watching it feels rough when you know you've, you've got a lot of pressure. Hey, if I don't do it in this series, I, I may not play again this half, you know, depending on how things go. And, and it just, you saw it a little bit last week with things kind of, you know, getting shaky in, in that second half. This is again, this is the second game in a row where USC scores six total points in, in the second half. And it just, you know, again, I, I don't, I don't think we're enlightening anybody here that, that watched the game. Uh, it, it absolutely is obvious that, that you've got to figure something out with that quarterback rotation. Cause again, they're saying, you know, it, it, we, we can't let it affect our rhythm. And I, I don't think it did in this game or, or, you know, we, we need to be better about that, but you, you can't roll it out the same way. It, it just can't uh, happen against Cal the same way. And, and I don't know if there's an exact answer, if, if you have to just pick one guy and go with it, but that old adage is that old adage for a reason. If you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. And, and that is right now what it feels like for USC. Uh, and, and that's something that has to be fixed over the, these next three games, or like you're both saying, we, we may have seen the last win, uh, for USC in this season. So on that positive note, as always, or as, as has been the case far too often this year, that that's how we're going to end our five things again from Arizona state's 31, 16 win against USC for Mark Culkin for Greg Katz. This is Eric McKinney. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.